Hello and welcome to another podcast brought to you by Life Community Church, Leamington Spa. Recorded at one of our Sunday morning services, we hope this message inspires, equips and encourages you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. As Dave has shared um, and introduced, we're, we're going through a series about celebrating character. And the first, the first series was brought to us by Dave, actually, and he looked, he looked at King, um, King David and talked around moving from self um, to selflessness. Uh, Rob, the following week, spoke about the Father's heart on Father's Day and looked at God's character and shared with us some things around which we can impl- apply to our lives and, you know, just gave us a little snippet of what God's, God's character looks like. So... I, I've chosen a, a, an individual in the Bible. See, I'm going, I'm going old school this week. I'm going, I'm going old school. An individual in the Bible that's that sandwiched between Ezra and, and Esther in the Bible, a guy by the name of Nehemiah. Nehemiah. So before you switch off, because I've said old school and the Old Testament, give me, bear with me and we'll see where we go, because I believe there's lots of good principles and good things we can learn and take from the Old Testament. So I'm going to be looking at Nehemiah. Now... I guess when we're talking about celebrating character, the first thing I always look, like to look at, what, what does character actually mean? You know, we all have character, but what, what, what is a, a good definition of character? And I came across one good old Google search right there, and it said, the mental and moral qualities distinctive to an individual. That's personality, nature, disposition, temperament, psyche, makeup, caste, and mold. Wow. A lot of information there, quite, quite deep. Character, personality, nature, disposition, temperament, psyche, makeup, cast, and mold. Now, we all have characters. <laughs> you might come across a whole variety of characters in your day-to-day, day-to-day walk. But we all, we all have a character. It could be good, it could be bad, but we all have a character. And what we're really doing is we'll say, let's have a look in the Bible. Let's look and pick out some key characters because none of us are perfect, but we can learn a lot from some of the characters in the Bible and we can learn a lot from each other. So I'm looking at Nehemiah. Nehemiah was an individual who was also known as the man behind the wall. The man behind the wall. And he himself was instrumental in the rebuilding and the reestablishment of Jerusalem after years of exile. He was called to restore the city and rededicate his people to God. He was called to rededicate his people to God. He was called to rebuild. And if you have your Bibles with, with you, feel free to turn to Nehemiah. I'm going to read parts of it. And I guess the other, my other concern, really, when, when I put, picked the book of Nehemiah, the problem with the Old Testament, I don't know about you, but when I read it, I always get nervous around the names, the locations that are just impossible to pronounce so you're going to have to bear with me. I'm going to have to do a David special if I come across any such names and conveniently navigate around it. So I'm going to actually start from chapter 1. I'm going to read verses um, 2 to 4. So from, chap- from chapter 1, verses 2, it says, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile, and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province, are back in the province, are in great trouble and disgrace. 
The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. Verse 4. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept for some days and mourned and fasted and prayed before God, before the God of heaven. See, Jerusalem, Jerusalem was considered the throne of God. It, it had important significance and its walls were damaged. It was in turmoil. Turmoil. It was, it was a mess. And when Nehemiah heard this news, what, what did he do? It, it shocked him so much to the core that he wept. He fasted and he prayed. He wept, he fasted, and he prayed. And for me, the first significant point there is when we look at things in our life and we come across things which affects us to the core, how do we react? Nehemiah had some news and he wept. You know, I know a lot of people, and sometimes, I, I would, even myself, I would say back in the day where we hear some, something really bad that hurts us to the core, and we might cry. We might feel so upset by that situation that it shapes us. But that is an emotion, and it shouldn't stop there. He went on to fast and pray about it, because he, he said, I'm not going to stand here and just take what I've been told and finish there and just and, and wallow in my emotion. I'm going to take an action and I'm going to do something about it. So he, he, sat, he sat down and fasted and he prayed. Now, I think it's really important when we look at the type of prayer he prayed because, like I said, Nehemiah was the man behind the wall. He helped restore and build, rebuild this wall, which we'll get onto in a minute, but... Look at the type of prayer he prayed. So he's, if we continue to read from, chap, from chapter 1, verse 5, he says, Then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your, for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. And I'll just pause it, pause it there. He went to God in prayer. And the first thing he did was give praise and glory to God. But the second thing he did was ask for forgiveness for his sins and the sins of his family, friends, and his associates. So we talk about Nehemiah being the man behind the wall and him re-establishing the wall of Jerusalem, but his first significant step was re-establishing himself and his relationship with God by asking for forgiveness. So we always talk about Nehemiah being the individual who helped rebuild the wall, which we'll come on to, but his first step when he prayed was re-establishment and rebuilding his relationship with God. He asked for forgiveness, and that was his first building block. That was his first step with regards to moving on, with regards to doing what God had called him to do. And it hit me when I read that, and I was preparing for, for this word this morning, that sometimes we pray and believe God for things, a rebuilding of things, but we need to start with rebuilding our relationship with him first and asking for that forgiveness and asking for that re-establishment and that reconnection with him because by his grace, we can do all things, but we need to understand and repair 
our relationship with him to really benefit from that grace. And it's really important. And, it, and it's funny, actually, because when I, when I picked Nehemiah, I was thinking to myself, this is a story about a man who builds stuff. And I don't know about you, but DIY and building is not my forte at, at all. I mean, we, we, have a, we have a shed in our, in our garden that's got a le- leaky roof. So I, I've been, you know, my wife was on at me for a bit. You know, David, are you going to fix it? David, are you going to fix it? I'm like, yes, dear, I, 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 will, I will fix it. But first of all, I need to have the right equipment and tools to be able to fix it. You know, you know how we men do, we like to procrastinate, build, build, it, build, build, build this up and, you know, get, get there. So I did the right thing. I, I, I visited Amazon to make sure I had the correct, correct equipment to, to, to repair the roof, roof of the, the shed. So ordered some felt from Amazon to, you know, to cover, cover the roof. So the felt did come in, um, to, got delivered. I ordered it and got delivered in May. Um, so... I don't know about you, have you seen the amount of rain we've had recently? Is, yeah, 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 you haven't seen it. I was in the rain and hail yesterday. With certain individuals are here, but they're not going to be mentioned, helping move stuff. But this rain has been unbelievable. So this nice felt I purchased to rebuild and repair our roof of our shed has been sitting inside the shed with a leaking roof, getting wet, and... Emily keeps saying to me, David, are you going to repair the shed? Are you going to repair the shed? And I, I said, yes, dear, I am. I guess the problem we have here to show the kind of my approach to the DIY, that order I made for Amazon and I got back in May was 2015. So it's been sitting in my shed for over a year with a, le- with a leaky roof. But I'm not a good DIY person. I'm not a good DIY person at all. But Nehemiah was instrumental with regards to re-establishing this wall. And I, when I was preparing, I thought to myself, there's other bits of this story that I can, I can rely on and, and pick out and I'm going to focus on because there were so many good things which I read when I was preparing for this. So if I can, if I can continue on with, with, with how he prayed. So from verse 8, he said, Remember the instructions you gave your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if you are exiled people are are at the furthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. They are your servants, your people, whom you have redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. And then at the end, there's a throwaway comment. I was a cupbearer to the king. Now, I love throwaway comments in the Bible because sometimes a throwaway comment can carry so much significance and importance. So... Having moved away from the fact that I have no links with regards to construction or building with, with, with this um, so-called Nehemiah in the Bible, he, he's a, he clearly is a DIY man and that's not my cup of tea. But the throwaway comment was, I was a cupbearer to the king. Now, the significance of that role in the Bible was that it was a high-ranking position with regards to, it was someone that was considered to be a trustworthy person because they had access to the king had access to the king. It was a role where you served drinks and food 
at the royal table. You were responsible as a cupbearer to try the wines, the foods, to make sure that no one had poisoned it before the, can before the king and the queen ate. Now that got me excited. I was like, wow, that is a role I could do myself. That, that is a role I would have loved to have done. Can you imagine? I'll be bringing the finest wine or Deserano, whatever they drank back in the day to the king. The king will be like, David, can you test that please to make sure it's not be poisoned? I'll be like, yes, king. Take one sip. David, is it right? I'm not sure, King. I'm going to sip it again, just to be on the safe side. Can you, can you imagine the, the, the roast dinners, the ribs, the chicken? Wow. David, could you, could you try that, please? I'd be like, yes, King. Is it safe, David? I'm not sure, King. I want to try, try it again. Can, can you imagine the desserts? I would have been the largest cupbearer to the king that the nation would have ever seen. Can you imagine, can you imagine their, their, their Ben and Jerry's back in the day? It probably would have been called Benjamin and Jerryitis or something, something, something like that back in, back, in, back in the day. David, could you try? Yes, yes, king. I, I'll definitely try that. But it was a position of great influence because they had access to the king. Then it hit me, as I was preparing, it hit me because do you realize that no matter where you are, no matter what circumstance or situation you're in, God has put you there for a reason. He strategically placed you to be an influence. He has strategically placed you to be an influence. You might feel, I'm in a bit of a mess. I've taken the wrong direction. But never put a limit on what God can do in a situation. You're not where you are by accident. Because God has strategically put, placed you there. Even when you think you've messed up, God has strategically placed you in a situation, or in a place to be an influence. That could be at your work. That could be at your university. It could be at your college. It could be when you're at the bus. It could be where you live on your street. It could be where you live in your town. He has strategically placed you to be an influence. And if you read on, and I'm going to pick up again from chapter 2, verses 1 to 6. It says, In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King when the wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before. So the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you're not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of the heart. I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where the ancestors are buried lives in ruins, and the gates have been destroyed by fire. From verse 4. The king said to me, what is it you want? Then I prayed to God of heaven, and I answered the king. If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor 
in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. Verse 6, then the king with the queen sitting beside him asked me, how long would the journey take and when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me. So I set a time. So because of his position and his influence with regards to being a cupbearer, allowed him to, to go and deal with this broken wall and this reestablishment of God's, God's city. But not only that, the favor of God allowed him, with the influence and the position that God had placed him in, to have safe passage from where he was to where he was going, to make sure that no other neighboring towns or, or kings or, or, or rulers or any other nation would disturb him. And also the king also gave him provisions and gave him notes with regards to take to governors to make sure he had all the material he needed to rebuild the wall. So a simple cupbearer who was placed in a position to have influence had safe passage and all the materials he needed to make an influence. He started with prayer and fasting and then God's grace shone through in that situation. So off he went, off he went to Jerusalem. Now, again, we're looking at celebrating character. Off, off he went to, so what else can we take from, from his character? So he, start, he started rebuilding, and one of the bits that jumped out to me, again, was from chapter 2, verses 11 to 12, and I'll just share that with you now. It said... I went to Jerusalem, and after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few others. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mounts with me except the one I was riding on. So here we are, and we have Nehemiah with this vision that God had put on his life with regards to rebuilding this wall because he was deeply saddened by the state of Jerusalem. But he did not share it with anyone to begin with. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart. And I think there's an important point there because we live in a world whereby everything is shared so easily and freely. We live in a world where we have Twitter, we live in a world where there's Facebook, there's Snapchat, there's all of this media and there's all of these pieces around to get information out there so quickly at a touch of a button. But I strongly believe, and this is my own standpoint, that there's some things which we need to be careful with what we share. Because if God has put a vision and a dream in you and he shared it with you, your first priority is to pray and protect over that dream and prayer. Sometimes you might have enemies, haters, you can call it whatever you want. People that are going to stop you fulfilling what God has planned in your life because you have let what they say influence you and your decision. You've got to be very wise. You've got to have the, you have to have a discerning ear. You have to share the right information with the right people. So if God has placed a vision and a dream in you, you've got to know when to share it and with who to share it with. So if you have something which God has placed in your heart to do, in the church within your community I would encourage you the people you share it with are people that are going to stand with you in prayer 
and pray into it and are going to bless you and, and make sure that it's covered in prayer. Because sometimes what we see with our naked eye might be so alien and abstract. We might say things based on the limited bits we've seen. Say, oh, that's not possible, but, or this, or that. Or you might come across people who will say those type of things because they're not journeying with you and we're not taking, they're not part of that journey with you, with your walk with God. So you've got to be very, you've got to guard it. You've got to be, you've got to know when to share it. You've got to know when to, when to pray into it. You've got to know when, when, when you need to bring people alongside you to pray and, and really fast into different things to protect it and allow you not to trip up. But then he goes on. So in, in verses 17 to 18 of the same chapter 2, it says, Then I said to them, You see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. They replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. They replied, let us start re rebuilding. And they began the good work. So when he shared that information with, with the people he was traveling with, they're the one that said, okay, let's start re rebuilding. He chose the right time in which to share God's vision of rebuilding and the reestablishment of, of Jerusalem because he had spent time praying and fasting in it. And then it was not even him imposing on someone else what this vision was. They could see it with their own eyes. God has spoken to them. I believe God has spoken to them already. And they came collectively and said, let's start the rebuilding work. And, and for me, there's, there's so many different aspects of that. But the key bit is, is to stand in prayer with people on things God has put in your heart and vision. But make sure you're, it's at the right time and with the right people. So your dream and the God's vision is not hindered by people that don't see where God is taking you. It's really, really important to protect, protect that and protect what's important. So they started rebuilding. They started the re-establishment re of the wall around Jerusalem. And if you read on, I won't, I won't re read it on in, in the passage, but they took 52 days to rebuild this wall. And during this period, all the neighboring areas and neighboring, neighboring towns and kings and what, rulers of different areas mocked them and laughed at them and said, you're never going to be able to rebuild this. What are you doing? It's, it's not possible. And who do you think you are? And are you doing this? And all, all of the different things which, again, I call haters. They will hear things and, and think, begin to speak against it because they don't know what God has called you to do. But he did not let that deter him. He did not let that deter him. And they kept building on. And even, even during, during the period when he realized that people were suffering and people were poor, he took time to help, help the poor. He took time to, to make sure people were not going hungry. People were fed. And in 52, 52 days, this wall was rebuilt. 52 days, Jerusalem was restored to, to what... God had intended it to be. And for me, I think it's really important with regards to Nehemiah's approach 
And when we're looking at celebrating character, because he did not allow what was being said around him to deter him, reroute him from what he knew God had called him to do, was to rebuild and reestablish that wall. And he did it. He did it against all odds. He did it against all of the negativity. He did it against all of the pieces which you would ordinarily think to yourself, actually, is it possible? And that's why, again, I go back to my previous point, is we need to make sure we're standing and sharing the right information with the right people. So on the days, I, I could imagine those 50, 52 days he was building that wall, not every day was easy. So on the days where it was hard work to get out of bed, it was hard work to lift that next piece of rock or timber or whatever it was, you wouldn't turn to your neighbor and say, look, I'm struggling today. And the, the voice you get back is, I told you so. Didn't I say this at the start? Or the, or the people will say, if I was you, I would have. People are always quick to talk into a situation, but when they're there, they do far worse. I would imagine on the days he struggled, or any members of the team he struggled, he turned to the people that had the same vision and said, this is hard today. And the response he would have got back, or she would have got back was, yes, but let's pray together. We can do it. I'm going to be an encouragement. Let's do it. Let's pray together. This is God's vision. This, we need to reestablish it. There would have been words of affirmation. There would have been words of encouragement. There would have been words to build up, not to knock down. It goes back to my point. We've got to guard what's important. We've got to make sure that when God has put a vision in our heart and, we, and we're fulfilling that vision, that we are kept up, upheld by people who are a positive influence, a God-given influence. Because it's so easy to knock people down. It's so easy to say, I would, I would have done different. It would have been different if the people with the butts. But in 52 days, he had completed the task God had called him to do. He re-established that wall. So I look, at, I look at Nehemiah, and though he was a DIY man, I'm not really a DIY man myself, there's lots of things I, I've taken from, it, from his story, which I think there's lots to celebrate from his character. For me, if I was to sum up, I would be, first of all, we re need to use him as an example to reestablish our relationship with God, to rebuild that relationship with God in prayer before we even move on to anything else. If there's something that grieves us or pains us or if there's an area of our life that needs rebuilding, let's start with prayer. Let's rebuild our relationship with God, ask for forgiveness. Stand with people who are going to encourage us, not just remind us of our former days and the things we've done. Secondly, I would say the bit that resonated with me is with regards to the re-establishment of Jerusalem and the re-establishment really with regards to Life Community Church and our, and our church. We, we as leadership have shared the vision of the church. 
the fundamental underlying principle of the vision is with regards to doing God's work within our local community, Life Community Church. We're partnering with the food bank, we're partnering with so many different organizations with regards to inputting into regards to inputting in society, be it from a financial standpoint with Christians Against Poverty, food, food bank, our bits and links with India. There's a whole raft of pieces which we've used and, and prayed into with regards to how should we spend the 10% of the tithes that we as a church give into missions. That's to re-establish God's kingdom in our community and be a shining beaker in our community. What we're doing there is re-establishing the church within the community to make an influence, to be an influence. And it takes, it takes people, it takes me, it takes you to say, well, actually, what is it from this Nehemiah story? What is it that needs rebuilding? How can I impart and be a part of this rebuilding, this reestablishment? The third, the third point really is even, I think David's touched on it, touched on it at the start of our, our time together today. And as I was preparing for it, actually, and what I guess the events of the week, you you look at you look at the the Old Testament, and 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 it makes me laugh actually because the Old Testament sometimes is considered as old school. You know, you can't really learn anything from it. But Jerusalem was in a state of chaos, a state of panic, a state of mess, a state of turmoil. I'm sure their currency would have been all over the place, falling through the roof, uh, falling through the floor. Uh, the, the trading markets would have been a mess. Hello? Is there any, is there any similarities with what's going on this week? But, you know, even in, our, in the house of, house of the Lord, we, here we would have had people who voted in or out, but that's not important. What's important is, as Christians, we need to pray for our leaders because whether we like it or not, the decisions that they make influence all of us. So I'll go back to my original point. We are influenced wherever we are. So let's be a Christian influence. Let's collectively as one body pray for our leaders. And it's part of the things we shared in our life group a couple of weeks ago actually, is there is a responsibility on all of us to pray for our leaders because the decision, like I said, that I made influences all of us. And we're in a period of having to rebuild. We're in a period of having to re-establish. As the pound drops and the markets try to readjust and realign based on, on, on the news that was, that was shared in the early hours of Friday morning. But God is not a God of confusion or chaos. And as Dave shared, you know, whether we're in or out, or even shake it all about, we, we need to, as Christians, just pray for our leaders and make sure that we are covering everything in prayer, that God's glory can shine through in everything. So Nehemiah's story, although old school, I feel is very relevant to this day, and there's lots we can take and share from, from him.
So I'll just encourage you all. If there's anything in your life which you feel needs to be re-established or rededicated to God, take some time to, to pray over it. Stand with, with the right people at the right time in prayer in that area. And then I believe God can do a great work and re-establish whatever needs to be re-established in his time, and it will be miraculous. Amen. Thank you. We hope that you enjoyed this message. For many more resources and for more information, visit our website at www.life-cc.org.